as governments around the globe are figuring out how to open back up their economies and do we shelter in home or not shelter in home, I, I want to tell you today that I believe God is on the move. The underground movement of Jesus is alive and well today and actually thriving. And that historically, that is what has happened with the Christian church, no matter what the circumstances are. And that's why we're doing this teaching series called Underground Jesus. And how many of you that are still under shelter and home or quarantine and you're part of the globe, we're here in the Midwest in Indiana and some of it is beginning to lift and some of it's not. Uh, how many of you, you just, you love the quarantine, the shelter and home life. Like that's your jam. You're like, dude, I get to be in my PJs and I can just watch Netflix and veg out and eat lots of snacks and be with my family. It, if that's you, we're, we're going to pray for you. I'm not one of those people. My, my wife is though, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the good things that I can't believe we can embrace during this time, even for those around the globe that are still at shelter and home together. So I invite you to turn in the book of Acts. We've been looking at the book of Acts. We looked at Acts chapter 8 the first week, chapter 2. Last week, Pastor David did a phenomenal job addressing the giving of the Holy Spirit. And this week, I want to look at Acts chapter 11. As the church continues to be scattered, they've been that way for several chapters of the book of Acts now. And I want to demonstrate to you, as they embrace the season that they are in, rather than fighting against it, Rather than going, how can we get back to how things were? Which, believe me, I want to. I cannot wait to meet in our buildings again. I do not like the shelter and home stuff in the court. That's not my jam. But I want to tell you that the church can thrive in any season. And that's what I want to show you in the book of Acts, beginning in Acts chapter 11, as we see the church has continued to be scattered. But first, let's look at Acts chapter 11, verse 15. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Come on now, get your digital hands together and get ready for the reading of God's word. It says this in verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on them in the beginning. Now this is the apostle Peter describing how God had told him to go to this Roman centurion's home. Right? Not a Jewish person. This was a Gentile, which means not a Jewish follower of God. These were thought to be pagan people. He goes to this home and the Holy Spirit is going to be given to the Gentiles. It says in verse 16, then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Now, little theological note there, you see in the passage that baptism that we did two weeks ago, we have now seen a number of baptisms occur. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, but it mentions the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that as a Christian, the Holy Spirit can be given to anyone who has received salvation in Jesus Christ. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, that the Spirit of God can be given to you, but you have to open yourself up and receive it. I don't believe that you have to have these incredible, miraculous things happen as you receive it, but you will begin to be guided by Almighty God in your life, so that if you're alone in isolation, quarantined, or sheltered in homes right now around the globe, that you're actually not alone. In fact, Romans 8, 26 says that when we're at our lowest of our lows, essentially, the Holy Spirit groans for us. He walks with you during the hardest times of our lives. If you look in the next verse, what happens, it says, verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, 
Even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. See, what's been one of the coolest things that's happened in the last few weeks, we've had many of you attending online from all over the globe and even in our own regional area who have never been to one of our buildings. And you have said things like, man, I've loved this. Many of you have rededicated your life to Christ or you've received salvation for the first time. You're, You're opening yourself up to the reality of God in your life And you've said, like, man, when you begin to have services at a building again, I would love to come to that. Or if I'm ever in the state of Indiana, I would love to stop by there. And I just want to tell you, you don't have to wait. We are the church, not our buildings. We are the church. It's kind of the theme for this whole teaching series. And so wherever you're at, the body of Christ is alive and well. And while the word ecclesia does mean to gather, and we really value gathering in our buildings, and I can't, like I said, man, I personally can't wait for that, and we're going to do it soon, as soon as we are able. But we are the church, the body of Christ. Wherever we are, we can thrive, and we are more than just a gathering. In fact, I believe that the gathering, the ecclesia, can happen anywhere. It can happen in your homes. It can happen in a variety of ways And as you see the church scattered in this passage, that's what they did. So here's the thing. I I don't love being uh, forced to sit in my home. I'm not a homebody. I'm a doer. Any doers out there? My my wife, though, she's a little bit different. She has just embraced this. She's like, man, this is awesome. We get more time with the family. I get to see you more often. You get to see the kids more often. I'm like, yeah, but I'm working, and and then the kids want to play, and I can't do that, and it's hard. Many of you are experiencing things like that. But you know what she's done recently? She started doing, she's always been pretty good at cooking, but because we're always so busy, we order, if I can confess to you, one of our many sins, we often order food out, even unhealthy food, like pizza and other items, and stop off at the different fast food restaurants. And, and through this season, my wife has started cooking all the time. It's amazing. I love it. And I never thought I would love that because, you know, growing up in a small town in Indiana, I, I ate a lot of bland food. I'd eat peanut butter and jelly and cereal and different very basic items. I didn't like to have my ingredients, like, together. I liked my ingredients separately. So she's begun to cook these really neat meals. Like, just the, this last week, she cooked uh, Thai food for us, this yellow curry with chicken and, and carrots. And here's a picture of my wonderful wife. She's amazing, and I love her to death. And she's killing quarantine life. And so she's taken all of these different flavors, you know, curry powder and the carrots and chicken and rice and a number of different flavors, and she's put them all together in this uh, your pot and been able to stir it together. And I'm not a cook, so that's why I'm not describing it well. But she, she made this delicious meal. And if you would have told me growing up that you could take all those flavors and put them all together and it would taste that good, I'd be like, man. And I wonder, as Pastor Davey talked about the giving of the Holy Spirit to the early church last week, and what we see here in Acts chapter 11, that just like in Acts chapter 11, that God isn't kind of taking, using the Holy Spirit during this time and stirring up the ingredients in our culture around us. And that actually, through the fire, so to speak, that we're going through, on the other end, the church, followers of Jesus, you and me, could actually come out better than when we went in, as just a bunch of ingredients. In fact, I've been thinking about this for so much of my time through quarantine. I've been focusing on how can I get back to the way things were, but what if the American church comes out of this better than it was before. And what if we don't ever want to fully get back to the way things were? 
Now, I'm not talking about whether to gather in buildings or not. I'm talking about the emphasis on following the Holy Spirit first and foremost in our life and embracing the seasons of change. See, I believe that spiritually speaking right now, the enemy has a plan for this season as well. He would love to use this season to be destructive to your personal faith, to get you into isolation, to have you turn to alcohol or drugs, to raise the levels of domestic abuse and suicide and the things that are occurring in our culture and the calls to first responders and to have the virus spread even more and all of the the things that we're wrestling with as a society. The enemy has a plan for that. But what if we fought back spiritually and we embraced the season? And the American church came out closer to Jesus, following the Holy Spirit first and foremost, rather than always just jumping to fixing problems. Whew, I'm going to preach today, and this is what I would love to address in Acts chapter 11. Now, the passage doesn't stop there. I want to show you again here, through this, what happens next. You see, in verse 19 then, now those who had been scattered by persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. So first thing, because of the fear, if you remember Stephen, one of the first seven deacons of the early church, he was killed in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, who had overseen the killing of Stephen, becomes a follower of Jesus. He has his life changed and transformed on the road to Damascus. And now by Acts chapter 11, you're going to see Saul, who's becoming Paul, and is going to be the great missionary of the early church, beginning to uh, show up on the scene a little bit more in the city of Antioch. And, and the, the church, very quickly, is rapidly changing. And, and rather than just being this group of people that are congregating in Jerusalem, focusing on the temple, the building there, they're now spreading throughout the eastern part of the Roman Empire, first to the the Jewish people. But remember, the Holy Spirit was also given to the Gentiles here. And for some of you who didn't grow up Christian, you never thought of yourself as a person of God, I want to tell you that God created you on purpose and for a purpose. Jesus, through his work on the cross, crucified and risen from the grave, has made a way that anybody can draw near to God eternally and that the Spirit of God, if you believe and receive Jesus in your life and you receive his Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, that Spirit of God is given to you today, right now, and I want you to receive it through our time together. Being serious. Because what happens in the early church is there is lots of chaos going on and fear and they are scattered and yet the church thrives. And it's not just to the Jewish community. Look what happens. They don't just go to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Verse 20, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. So they also go again to Antioch, but they go to the Greeks, the Gentiles, the the people that didn't speak Aramaic, they spoke Greek. And look at verse 21, the best part of this whole passage. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What if we embrace this season and a great number of people turned to the Lord? What if you, attending online right now, rather than getting angry about the things happening in our culture, what if you turned to the Lord in your isolation? Over 25 people, as of the pre-recording of this, 25 people have given their life to Christ and, and followed him in the act of baptism. Many of them getting baptized, but were already Christians. Uh, that has occurred just in the last 10 or 11 days. 
You can go to bathtubbaptism.com, share this anywhere. This doesn't just have to be our church, that people are following Jesus and being baptized in their home, 25 people in the short amount of time. Isn't that cool? It just keeps happening. We keep hearing stories. You can post and uh, share to social media or list them there at bathtubbaptism.com. That we must be the church, not that God wanted two months ago, not that God is going to want a decade from now. We must be the church that God wants today. That's what I'd love to focus on. We're ready to pray together, guys, and let's dive into the details of this. God, again, we thank you for the many people gathering around the globe in different ways, in different capacities, and small homes or in countries where they're able to meet in buildings or here online. God, we, we know that your Holy Spirit is going before us. God, we pray that we would hear that, receive it, and that those who feel like they're not a good enough person, they're not a strong enough Christian, that they could never be one of those people that actually hear from you, that you would change that this morning, that you would change that this week. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit we discussed last week. And now as the underground movement of Jesus thrives today, no matter what's going on in our culture, we pray that you would speak to us we use Acts chapter 11 as a launching pad to get into the details of this throughout Scripture about how the church thrives during a time like this. Help us to be the church you want us to be today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Now, I've, I've talked a, about the good things about corn, but I want to talk for a second about people like me. I have just, I'm going nuts, man. I, I just, I don't love it. I don't love being trapped in my home. And I've been going, uh, you know, into the office some and filming, obviously, here at our, our building. And I'm trying to, you know, keep everybody safe and do all that sort of thing. But I cannot wait to gather again. And I've realized, I, I got kind of frustrated uh, in this last week. And I was frustrated with uh, my family a little bit. It's been amazing. Uh, you know, I thought, man, this is going to be hard with the kids. Actually, I've loved the time with my wife. I've loved the time with the kids and, and all of that sort of thing. But as I'm working actually longer hours now, maybe you're in that boat as well, I've, I've begun to realize I was getting frustrated with my family that they weren't utilizing this time to, you know, make themselves better, work a little harder, produce a little more. I, I kept looking at my kids like, you should be not just be doing your schoolwork. You need to be doing extra reading. And then I know you think I'm crazy, but I'm like, I'm going to get you on a running schedule regimen so that you can make sure you get your physical body, the temple of the Holy Spirit in shape. And we can utilize this season of downtime to become better people. And we could, you know, get healthier and physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. All, and it just begin to do more. And so I was frustrated. And ironically, because I got to do something, I, I went for a run. And I haven't ran, you know, like very much in a long time. And I went and ran a 5K. And I'm pretty sure I've the last time I ran a 5K was, well, I don't think I've ever run a 5K, but I ran a 5K and I did that the next day again. Okay, maybe I have, but it's been a long time. And then I ran every day straight for like six days. Like my hamstrings are killing me, my quads are on fire, but who cares because I'm doing something and I got to get all this energy out. So I'm running around and I'm keeping everybody safe, social distancing, but I began to realize I've looked at the season in a way where how can I use this season to better myself, to better the church, to do all these? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? God doesn't want lazy people sitting around watching Netflix and playing video games all the time like uh, my kids would like to do. But I also began to think, what if I'm the one who's wrong here? What if God wants me to not get my family to do more things? What if God wants to use me to just be present with them, to have memories of hanging out with them? talking with them. What if God during this season, for those of you, wants you to, with your roommates, to be able to go a little deeper in conversation or with your family on FaceTime or other ways? And 
What if God wants to use this season to make an impact in your life and those around you, to be the people that we should be today, not who we were, not to get back to improve ourselves? And so if you are a doer, this message is for me and for you. And so the big idea that I'd love to give you is three ways to be the church God wants today. Three ways to be the church God wants today. And while the doing and the mission work that we're we're doing so much mission work right now and so much uh, help in the community through our outposts. And, and we're not producing all kinds of videos for those things. We're just doing it. And so you may not always get to see it, but it's happening like crazy. You know, we've, we've had a number of people helping with uh, food pantries downtown. We're beginning to support a number of food pantries in the area and even in the Northeast area. And we cannot wait to see what God can use the church to make an impact. But Three ways that we could be the church that God wants today. The first one I actually want to look at is the church of Ephesus, and that is to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. You say, well, what does that mean? Who's calling me? What are you talking about? I believe that once you've given your life to Jesus, you receive his Holy Spirit. He is now calling you to live on mission with him, to help those in need, and share your faith. Proclaim the coming kingdom of God. And if you look at uh, the, the letter to the Ephesians, Ironically, the Apostle Paul, who had once overseen the killing of Christians that caused the persecution that we see in Acts chapter 11, now starts churches all over the Roman Empire you know, decades later. And in this moment, he writes to the church in Ephesus in the early 60s AD. And he says in uh, chapter 4, verse 1, this is a famous passage when looking at the church and why the church exists. As a prisoner for the Lord then, Paul writes, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Here's how you live worthy of the calling of following Jesus today. You go out and you do a whole bunch of stuff and you make God happy. Actually, it's not what it says. Look, look, I was convicted by this. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The way that you live worthy of the calling you've received is to join with the local church to be the person God wants you to be. And if you look at verses 2 and 3 there, that you should be completely humble and gentle. It's essentially talking about the fruit of the spirit. You know, in the letter to the Galatian church, one of Paul's first letters and many people often think there's many fruits of the Spirit. There's not many fruits of the Spirit. There is one fruit, and if you have the Holy Spirit, you've got all of it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You don't need to work on those things. You just need more of the Holy Spirit in your life that we discussed last week. So what it says here, that if you want to live worthy of the calling you've received, that you have more of the Holy Spirit living in and through you, being the humble, gentle person of unity and compassion that the world needs. Isn't that interesting? I think that's a good reminder for us as Christians today as we're debating the things in our culture of how to live and how to act, and we can have strong opinions, and I think it's okay to disagree on what to do and whether to restart the economy or gather in buildings again and all that kind of stuff. But first, we must focus on what's the Holy Spirit doing right now and how could we have more of the Holy Spirit in our life? Uh, verses 7 and 8 then, it talks about that grace was given to you as Christ apportioned it. Verse 7, 
That word grace actually means, it's the root word is charis. It means, comes from charismata. It's talking about spiritual gifts that we are given. Look at verse 7 with me. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives, gave gifts to his people. He's talking about that once you've received Christ and you are vulnerable to the Holy Spirit in your life, you now are given spiritual gifts that could impact the community around us. And that actually, if you look down to verses 11 to 13, it says in verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Don't think of a pastor as like a leader. A pastor is like a shepherd of people. It could also be called a shepherd. We use the acronym APEST, A-P-E-S-T, to remember those five ministries of the church that we have many unique spiritual gifts that are to be utilized to come together and fulfill those five ministries of the church. And that verse uh, 12 and 13, we do those ministries to equip this people for the works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Here, and then read this. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we've done longer teachings on this, and I'm not going to get into the fivefold ministry and, and where you fit into that. We've done a lot of that with our church. But what I want to share with you is we don't see the full measure of Christ unless we come together as the body of Christ, utilizing our gifts together. And when I say come together, I don't mean just a worship service in a building. That those ministries are meant to go impact the world, and so that if you have not lived worthy of your calling by joining a local church, uh, the Holy, being led by the Holy Spirit, and instead you're leading an isolated life, you're missing out on the full measure of Christ. You're just one part of the body. You may be the toe, you may be the arm, I don't know what part of the body you are, but it's only when we come together that you see the full measure of Christ. We don't see the full measure of Christ unless his body works together. And that's my hope for us during a season like this that we could see even more of God at work. Do you, do you know what actually the one thing that grieves God during a season like this? You know what grieves God about how we use our gifts together to make an impact during a time where the world needs it? Is this, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Here's how he says to the church in Ephesus, you could grieve the Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ God forgave you. The one thing that could grieve God during a season like this is anger and malice and hurt. It's not just about the doing of the ministry of how we impact the community around us. We've got to do that. But it's how we do it. Are we doing it because we're led by the Spirit who's going before us, His peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, are we turning on other people groups within our culture? I don't know how this is speaking to you today, but it's been speaking to me as I got frustrated with my family because I told you, I was being honest, I'm running a 5K, trying to get all my energy out just because I'm frustrated and I begin to realize who's the one bringing those negative things that grieve the Holy Spirit into my home right now and the domestic violence that's occurring. If you're a follower of Jesus, if, if you're seeing anger come out, you got to remember, you're in a spiritual battle. It's not God's plan. It's not his good will for that to happen. It's actually the enemy's plan to bring those things. It grieves the Holy Spirit. We must live worthy of the calling that we have received. And to understand that, that that happens in our daily lives with our roommates, with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers. And in a season like this, it's so easy to be angry with one another, isn't it? 
I would encourage you, wherever you're at spiritually, that God has a plan for you. And if you get it wrong, if you mess up, you don't need to live in guilt and shame because you know who got it wrong? The church in Ephesus. We know this because we read it in Revelation chapter 2. If you're taking notes, the first point is you must live worthy of the calling you've received. The second one is that to remember your first love. To remember that our faith is really about first overflowing with the love of God that he has shown for us. And God actually, in Revelation chapter 2, you see the seven churches there in Revelation 2 and 3, and those were actual churches. And in verses 2 through 5, it addresses the church in Ephesus, and, it, and God says this to them, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. He says, I know all the good things you're doing. I know about that. But I, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. You've done all kinds of stuff, Christians. You've done good works. You've gone out there and you fought the good fight. And some of you, you know, for us as a church, we can do church and we can do everything online and we can be doing all the help in the community. But he says this in verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What's he talking about first love? I've been a Christian for two decades, and here's what I know. You could go through the actions of doing the task list of what it means to be a Christian, and you cannot watch certain things, and you can watch the good things you're supposed to do. You cannot inhale certain things in your body, and you can eat the things that you're supposed to, and you can respond the way you're supposed to, and you can drink the things you're supposed to, and not the things you're not supposed to, and you can do all that stuff, and you can forget the love of Jesus, his, his compassion and grace for you. And that the Holy Spirit could be overflowing with love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith. I don't know who this is for today, but I want to tell you, we must be the forefront, the leaders of the compassion and grace in our culture around us. It's the, the sign that the Holy Spirit is at work around us. And it's the anger and animosity that often brings us down. And he tells that church in Ephesus, don't forget your first love. You know, that's what rooted for us a 10-week initial discipleship experience is all about. And we're about, for the first time, to start only on-line rooted groups. It starts this week. You can still register this week and even next Sunday, but you can register today, right now. Click this link. It's a 10-week discipleship experience where you're doing a five-day devotional throughout the week, and then you're meeting with your group online in a Zoom call, and you're going to be discussing the things that you're walking through, whether you've been a Christian for decades. I've been through it three times myself, got something new from it every single time. Or whether you're not even a Christian yet, it's for everyone. And it's really about getting back to what it means to be rooted in Christ, remembering our first love. Let's not lose sight of the why we're doing all of these things. You were meant for a relationship. Did you know that? Look at the Garden of Eden. That you were wired in a way that you were meant to walk with God. Adam walked with God in the Garden of Eden. That in the original creation, before sin entered the world, that there was harmony between God and humankind. You were meant to be in relationship where you literally could walk with him physically. And that we today, because of the, the Holy Spirit that is given to us, that your body is a physical temple of the Spirit, the New Testament teaches, so that you are meant to walk with God today. You are wired for a relationship with him. I got a really cool announcement. In fact, in order just to honor this, you know, Pastor David did a phenomenal job teaching on the Holy Spirit and the giving on the day of Pentecost and the, the, the Hebrew uh, festival of weeks called Shavuot. And so it's actually, that day is happening on Friday, May 29th. And so 
I want to share some exciting news. Uh, we called this the year of worship, and we're like, why did we do that? Because I want to call it the year of the gospel, and yet the Lord was just saying, no, focus on worshiping me this year. And so we are rescheduling our all-worship night for uh, that day, at least for the Carmel location. We, we're going to find out. I've had to do this very quickly, whether the other locations will participate. But uh, on Friday, May 29th, uh, I hope to be able to meet in person, maybe outdoors with social distancing somehow. And I don't know if it's going to be just the night or like a day-long thing, that just on the day that we remember the Holy Spirit was given, that we're just worshiping God together, remembering our first love. And so, man, put it on your calendar. If we still can't meet yet, we will figure out a way to do it online or figure out a unique way to do it, but we're going to have that day or night a special worship, time of worship, as we remember the Festival of Weeks and the giving of the Holy Spirit. That Friday, uh, May 29th. Finally, point number three, if you're taking notes, if three ways to be the church God wants today, not in the past or in the future, but today, one, live a life worthy of the calling you've received, two, remember your first love, three, allow him to bless you to bless this church. There's this really terrible thing that's happened in American church culture. I don't know when it happened, but where we think blessing means financial gain or material possessions. That could be one way that God blesses those who are being generous so that they could be even more generous. But there are many ways that God blesses us. One of the blessings is that through a season like this, you're never alone because the Holy Spirit has given to you, that you can walk with you. And I want to share with you that the way we could be the church today is to receive the blessing of God, of his Holy Spirit, to walk with us in whatever we're facing. And I, want to, I was thinking about this just in Scripture throughout history. The ways that God blesses beyond just finances. One, he uses evil for good. Genesis 50, 19 to 21. But Joseph said to them, Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. It says, don't be afraid. I am in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he assured them and spoke kindly to them. He said, guys, I know you sold me into slavery, but that God is going to use your evil for good because that's what God could do. He takes a guy like Saul, turns him into Paul, overseeing the killing of Stephen, becomes a leader of the early church. It's the ironic thing of the way God works. And that guy, Paul, will go on to write much of the New Testament. And then Acts chapter 11, the church is changing now. No longer will be focused in Jerusalem. It now spreads and home base actually becomes Antioch. And instead of the 11 disciples and Peter kind of being the leader of the movement in the coming chapters of the book of Acts in the early church, it will actually be Paul who becomes the great leader. It's just the ironic thing. Do we embrace the seasons of change and allow God to use evil for good or would we let the enemy thrive during times like this? Because man, the enemy would love to be destructive to you. He'd love to be destructive to the churches in our culture and around the globe. He'd love to be destructive in your home and the domestic violence that we're seeing. I want to tell you today, allow the Holy Spirit of God to intercede. He could use what the enemy meant for evil, for good, just as we sang about earlier, and he did to Joseph in the Old Testament too. Another way God can bless you, he replaces uh, fear. He replaces fear with hope. Fear with hope. Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water 
that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Some of you, you're feeling empty, that you got nothing to offer, and you got to get your roots retapped again to the great living water of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit that is at your fingertips today. If you open yourself up and receive the blessing of God and his Holy Spirit into your life, he can take what the enemy meant to bring fear, and he can bring hope. He did in the book of Acts as the church, the Lord was with them and the gospel spread rapidly and people eventually all over the Roman Empire will receive the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ alone and will receive his Holy Spirit and be powered to help those in need and proclaim the coming kingdom of God. Within just a few generations, their children and their children's children, well, the blessing of God will overflow in their lives. And I'm not talking about material possessions, that it will spread all the way to the entire Roman Empire within just a couple of hundred years. What could he do today if we embrace the season that we're in, as we are scattered about? I believe that God could work in you, and he has been for many of you online. He wants to take your fear of this virus and replace it with the hope that God can even use times like this. And then number three, another way he blesses you, he blesses you with peace. He blesses you with peace. Numbers 6, 24 and 25, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, take this. This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. You know these words. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you what? Peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. The way he blessed them was by turning his relational focus to them. His face was upon them and turned to them. And I believe that you could be blessed with the peace of God's presence in your life today with whatever it is that you're facing, will you receive it? The early church had to know, in order to see all the works that they saw happen during their lifetime, they had to know that what the enemy meant for evil, God could use it for good, that he could bring, turn evil into good, he could turn fear into hope, and he could bless you with the presence of his peace in your life in whatever it is that you're facing. They allowed this fresh season of the church and the season of hardship and persecution for them to make the church stronger rather than wanting to go back to the way things were before. When Jesus was actually walking with them, obviously they longed for that, but they said, that's not the season we're in anymore. God now is going to use us to bring the good news to other people. How could God use you during the season? If you want to do that, you need to be the church first, not just to go and do, but to receive his Holy Spirit, to have him overflow you with the blessing of the good and the, the peace and the, and the comfort that he wants to bring to our culture during a season like this. We must be the peacemakers in our culture. That's why in Ephesians, or excuse me, uh, in Acts chapter 11, if you remember back, verses 25 to 26, it said this then, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. It's a little bit later than we read to start with. Acts chapter 11, this is when everything's changing. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. The church changes so rapidly, they're not even called Christians until Acts 11, and it's, not, it's no longer Peter and the disciples in Jerusalem that's leading them. It's in a different city in Antioch, led by the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. They embraced the season that they were in, and God thrived because of it. 
we, I cannot wait to meet with you in our buildings again, but I want to tell you, God doesn't need buildings in order to see people receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and he doesn't need the building in order to transform you in your apartment or your home or where you're at right now with your family or your roommates or whoever. He wants to speak right to your soul. He wants to bring the peace that surpasses our understanding. And he wants to help you face this isolation to no longer live in fear anymore, but have the hope of Jesus Christ in your life. His Holy Spirit empowered you that the church must be the church today day that God needs to receive the Holy Spirit and say, bless me, God, use me, that it may overflow with your peace and understanding to the people around me. That's my hope for you today. That's my hope that you would just receive the Holy Spirit of God this morning. And look, I know you've heard zany things, and God sometimes works in supernatural ways that we can't understand, but the Holy Spirit of God is for everyone, even the Gentile believers. And when they began to realize that in Acts chapter 11, that's when the church changed. That's when it changed. And some of you have been attending online and you're opening yourself up to the reality of God and you need to receive the salvation. And then you need to say, God, use me. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. I am forever yours. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now, man. I want to give you the opportunity. We're worshiping on a roof today. We're crying out for the blessing of God, pouring out to our community. But that goes globally. You can only see one little city here in the Midwest. But that's around the globe. The blessing of God and his Holy Spirit is for you today. Will you pray with me? God, right now, I pray that for those of us who have been Christians many years, or even for those who are just now surrendering their life to you, that we could believe and receive your Holy Spirit fully in our lives. So first, for the person who's not a Christian yet, pray this with me. If you'd like to receive salvation eternally, pray, God, I believe and receive your forgiveness through the work of Jesus on the cross crucified. I repent of anything in my life that's not of you. And I surrender my whole life to you. And then everyone pray this. And then we receive your Holy Spirit fully. Baptize us like you did the Gentiles and the Jewish people in the book of Acts. Use us to further your kingdom purposes in our communities by first overflowing with your Holy Spirit. We are the church today. We surrender our entire church and our lives and the greater church to you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for the gift of your spirit. It's in your name that we pray. And all God's family said, amen.